be here. Welcome. Welcome me, I guess. Um, I did put deodorant on this morning, just saying you're very far back there. Maybe these chairs are defective. I don't know. Um, so just a little bit about me. I've been, I'm one of the more recent, I am the most recent elder uh, just in the last couple months. Um, I've had the privilege. What an incredible board of elders you have. We have men of prayer and faith, trust in God. I'm just getting blessed to know them. Um, I'm a guy, I work, I, I'm in the abatement industry, so I get rid of hazardous stuff, uh, mold, asbestos, lead, paint, that's kind of what I do. I've got two boys, um, one lives in Edmonton, one lives, he just got married, and uh, lives in Kelowna. So that's a little bit about me. Um, I could have got saved yesterday. I was, uh, I pedaled my bike, I live in Kelowna, so I pedaled my bike down to the city park, and these biker guys are walking around there, leather vests and stuff, right? But they've got chariots of light on the back of them. So I'm sitting on the bench just watching, and one of them comes up to me. Right away, he gets into this. Do you mind if I ask you a personal question? If you were to die today, do you know where you'd go? And it's been a long time since somebody has approached me like this. <clears throat> I assured him of my salvation. He was good with that bumped fists and he left, but he invited me. He said, with the church that they're working with, they have a potluck, you're welcome to join us. So I went there last night at 4.30. People, I wanna tell you God is moving in this city. I don't know if you're like me, but you sometimes get discouraged thinking, is anybody hungry for the Lord? Like, where's salvation happening? You know these biker guys? They're from Edmonton, and they were working with a church in Kelowna, and th what they did is they helped train. I don't know how fast. It would have been a one- or two-hour training session, and then they go out in the park. They led 59 people to the Lord yesterday in the park. <laughs> Doesn't that move your soul? And then at this potluck, they said, okay, Church, come up here. Who, who wants to share a testimony? So people were coming up saying, yeah, I led four people to the Lord. Yeah, I led a lady and her son to the Lord. Like, this is amazing. And this is happening right here in the Okanagan. So maybe we can be encouraged to say, people are hungry for the Lord. And we've got a message. And maybe we need to be a little bold in just trusting the Lord for that and proclaiming it. Amen? Good stuff. Okay, um, I got a clicker here. John. So this morning we're, we're making our way through, uh, I'm told you're working through John, I trust you are. I've been given chapter 13 and I had my choice of what I wanted to talk about in chapter 13. So we're going to talk about something that's very familiar to I think most of us and that is, am I standing in the wrong place here because I'm getting feedback. Um, Jesus washing the disciples feet <clears throat> and so it talks about service and how Jesus has served us. Um, I called it new to do. Jesus knew something, and it resulted in him doing something, and maybe the same for us. Um, I did a little inquisition on the internet, not that it's all knowing, but it said, 10 signs of a narcissist. Do you want to be the center of attention? Unsolicited advice that you give, you think you um, have advice for people even if they don't ask. Impatient in lines, ambition with no bounds, you're competitive. You turn on the charm, but it's for your own kind of gain. Um, 
hold grudges. It's never my fault. Take advantage of people who have an addiction. As I read through this list and ex as they explained it a little bit, I twinged just a little bit saying, I didn't think I was very self-centered, but maybe I'm more self-seeking than what I really am because I do get impatient in lines every once in a while. Um, and then thinking of serving, um, if you're anything like me, um, well, we know that we've been called to serve. That's our um, ministry with the Lord. But every once in a while, I think our flesh nature just kind of creeps in a little bit. Hmm? And maybe our culture influences us just a little bit too. I, I have a truck, therefore I can serve people because apparently they call me up and say, can you help move? So I, I did that. And so this last week I helped somebody move and I thought, oh, that's great. Because um, one of the things I didn't mention is my wife just passed away 10 months ago. So I'm, I've got, my, my oldest son is divorced. He's 26. My youngest son just got married. So he's happy. And I'm a widower. So we got divorced, married, widower in, in the home. So it's a little lonely for me. I'm, I'm all alone. I've got a little three and a half pound chihuahua at home. So, and then my mother-in-law. Um, lives downstairs. You can pray for me. Um, no, she's moving out. Um, she's turning 90, and uh, she still has her license. Um, so that's, why, why was I saying that? Oh, uh, it's lon so lonely. So I, I thought, you know what? I'll, I'll help move these people, and then we'll hang out and we'll talk. Maybe have a coffee or something. So I go and I, I'm a little bit inconvenienced going to do this, help them out, and then I'm ready to engage in conversation with them, and then they have somebody else show up right away, and it's all, this, all their attention went towards them. And do you know what started happening inside of me? After serving them, all of a sudden I started taking offense. Why should I ever bother doing anything like this again? I, I gave out of the goodness of my heart, they could at least take a few minutes for me and say, how are you doing, dog? You know, you know how it goes, right? And when we get into this service thing, sometimes it's possible in our flesh nature to, to, be, to take offense. And another, I, I tried helping out my neighbor. He says, Doug, how do you get your lawn looking so green? I said, oh, well, <laughs> I like having the greenest lawn in the neighborhood. So... I told him, and I said, you know what? I can spray your yard. You just buy the stuff, and I'll apply it. So I was out working on my yard one day. None of their vehicles were home, and I had my stuff out. So I thought, I'm just going to go do it. So I'm out in the front yard, and the wife drives home. I've been talking to the husband. Remember that part. So she drives up to the yard, and this look of abject horror is on her face. Who's this guy in my front yard? She backs up, and then right away she gets her phone out. And I only imagine she's texting her husband, who is this guy? And she's not getting out of the vehicle. She's got two kids. So I thought, hmm, I'm going to take my equipment and go back across the street and stand in my yard. But I at least want to say something to her, right? And so the story kind of reveals another thing. I had a certain idea of how things would work out when I served somebody. It didn't go like I thought. It, it was, in fact, the opposite. So as we come to our passage this morning, I've been God has moved in my heart, and I, and I trust that he takes us to a place maybe um, in a familiar story that maybe we can 
check the attitudes of our hearts a little bit, but just allow the impact of what Jesus Christ has done for us um, in this story of washing the disciples' feet. Um, let's see, what have we got going here? There we go. Oh, I got a picture of my motorcycle there. And I, so the reason I have that is because in, in riding a motorcycle, if any of you do that, there's something called counter steering. And the idea is you don't lean into a corner, but you actually turn the opposite direction of where you want to go. It's a crazy thing. It's absolutely crazy, but it works. It's called counter steering. You can look it up and even can try and figure out the physics of it, right? But if you want to turn left, you, you turn right and you go. And it doesn't make any sense, but I do it. And it, it especially gets me out of tight situations. I'm going too fast into a corner or something. And I think maybe, maybe that's how it is for you and me. When it comes to serving, we do a little different than what the world thinks, right? We're turning the opposite way that the world says to do because the world kind of says, look out for number one. If you don't look out for yourself, who's going to look out for you? And yet the way of the Lord and it works. We go in the opposite direction. So that's where we're going today. Is that good? All right. This is John uh, 13. It was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin, began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus knew a few things. And knowing caused him to do. In, in Greek, there's two words that are for know. One word for know is a progressive knowledge. It's like when you're going on a date, you kind of get to know. It's progressive. When you start a new job, you kind of get to know. Then there's another word in Greek for know, and that's to actually have full knowledge. Like, I got it. I know how to do this. The word is used here for Jesus is he had the complete knowledge. It wasn't a progressive thing. He wasn't questioning it. He wasn't second guessing. There was absolute confidence what he knew. 84 times the Gospel of John uses this word, and I think it's kind of important um, to him and to us. Jesus knew, well, it says three things here. The Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God, he was returning to God. There was no more higher authority, and Jesus knew it. He possessed it. He knew what his past was, and he knew what his future is. He knew where it came from, he knew where he was going, and he knew that he had ultimate authority. And I, I, I started asking, what would you do? Well, maybe, what would I do? What would you do if you had ultimate authority? Never thought of that? Hmm. that'd be kind of fun. What would I do? I, I read the biography of a guy by the name of Tommy Franks. Um, he was a general uh, commander-in-chief, in fact, and he, he, was, he had a position of authority just before the Twin Towers were bombed. 
But then in 2000, he, he actually became commander-in-chief on the war on terrorism. So high-ranking guy. Before he took the job, when he was asked to take it, he said, the only way I will do this, and the way the states work, and I'm not completely clear on it, but the Marine, the Navy, the Air Force, and uh, one other thing, they all kind of had their chiefs of staff, right? Every one of them would vie for budget power. They would vie for looking good and receiving accolades that way. And he said, the only way I will do this is if I have ultimate authority over all of them. We're doing this completely different than we've ever done any other war. Nobody's looking out for themselves. We're all operating under one authority. Do you think he got it? He did. And the war on terrorism under him, it, was, it, was, it changed the way the U.S. did war. They didn't have to rely on numbers. What they relied on was unity. They relied on communication. And because of that, there was speed to deploy. And I thought, oh, man, there are so many spiritual applications to this. He had ultimate authority. And then what he did with it is he listened to the people. That's what he did with it. So that it was for the betterment of the nation. Jesus Christ knew that he had ultimate authority. There was no one higher than him. And it's amazing as you read through the Gospel of John, what he did, what kind of attitude he has. It says, for the, these are words that Jesus says. They're recorded in the Bible. The Son of Man can do nothing of himself. Knowing he has ultimate authority, yet he's committed to, the, to God. For I came down from heaven, not to do my will, but God's. My doctrine is not mine. I seek not my own glory. The word which you hear is not mine. It is from God. You know what I thought is because Jesus knew what he knew, that he had ultimate authority, you know what that released him to do? He didn't have to strive to prove anything, did he? Like if you've already got ultimate authority, what is there to prove? You've already got it. That is the attitude in which Jesus came. And it's absolutely fascinating. He knew he had all authority, so he didn't have to strive. His future was secure. He knew he was going to heaven. He knew exactly where he came from. That gave him confidence in who he was. There's a Malayan proverb that says, The fuller the ear is of rice grain, the lower it bends. The fuller... And the ears of rice grain, the lower it bends. Jesus had so much authority, so much knowledge, and he took the lowest place. He was released to freely serve. What, what do you and I know about ourselves? Is it any different than what Jesus knew about himself? What authority do you and I possess under Jesus Christ? Where do we come from? Do you know that the Bible says before the foundation of the world, God has chosen you? That, like before creation, before Genesis, God thought of you. That's where you come from. He has called you. He has predestined you. Oh, do you know where you're going? I asked me that yesterday. I could have got saved. I already was. I know where I'm going. The Bible makes it so clear where our future is. And, oh, if we would just get a glimpse, a deeper glimpse, Jesus 
had all of this and he showed us the way to walk in this world and that is a life of humility to serve other people we don't have to strive to prove anything when we serve in children's church when we serve at the front when we do things for other people when I move people with my truck I don't have to prove anything it's not there for me to get something back I already have everything in Christ Jesus amen There's Romans 8:17. If we're children, then we're heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. <clears throat> and then in Ephesians 1, we have every spiritual blessing. We are holy. We are blameless. There's something about God's pleasure and will in doing this for us. Fascinating. We have the redemption, forgiveness of sins, grace lavish on us. Again, the good pleasure shows up in what Jesus Christ has done to us. Striving to prove myself or being somebody significant is over. I don't have to take offense. I don't have to look out for myself. New to do. Jesus knew, so. You and I know. Coming to know, maybe? So. Well, let's, let's carry on with the passage. Repurposed mirrors. Um, so verse 6, he came to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. <clears throat> Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. I look at the symbolism in this, and we will take just a few minutes to do this, but it says that Jesus took off his clothes. <clears throat> what symbolism does that hold for you? How, in reality, how should Jesus actually be dressed? Probably like, like a king, right? Royal robes, fine, the ultimate, the nicest. And yet Jesus, when he did this, he took his clothes off. What does that say to you and me? That Jesus stripped himself of everything that was royalty to come down to you and me. Absolutely fascinating symbolism. Then why did he wash the disciples' feet? This is so symbolic. And Jesus says, do you understand? Are you coming to the knowledge of what I'm actually doing for you? Do you realize this? Um, in their culture, I mean, they would have a bath, but they had the sandals, so flip-flops, walking through dirt. Your feet get dirty, right? So in uh, probably richer homes, the servants would actually, when any, when any guests would come, they would actually wash the people's feet. In Jewish homes or in more common homes where they didn't have servants, the host would put a bowl of water out for the people to wash their own feet. Neither of these things happened before the Passover meal. So Jesus takes his clothes off and washes the disciples' feet. It was to show, and he says, to show the full extent of my love for you. 
One of the things that struck me too about the symbolism is, is the basin that was used. When we go back to um, the book of Exodus, the, the basin was used in, in front of the temple and the priests had to wash their hands before going in. Do you know what those basins were made out of? They were made out of brass. And where did that brass come from? The Bible tells us that Moses asked for the women to bring their mirrors, their brass mirrors, and they repurposed them into the basins with which the priest washed to cleanse symbolically from sin. Let's think about that, okay? What do you use a mirror for? You're eating a smoothie with chai seeds. You actually use a mirror to see if you got a little black stuff stuck in your teeth. You, 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 you use a mirror to look at what you look like. It's a reflection of you, how you perceive yourself, if there's something that needs to change. Look at the symbolism of this, people. I was moved to tears as I thought about this. The, the very thing that how we would look at ourselves has been transformed by what Jesus did, stripping himself of his clothes, taking this basin, and saying, this is how I see you. Jesus, who knew that he had ultimate authority, took on the lowest position humanly possible. And he said, this is how I look at you. Do you realize what I am doing for you? Do you know what I'm doing here? I am moved to tears. My Jesus, he loves me so much. And it gives him pleasure to wash my feet. What is something that gives you pleasure? Think about that. If, if there was something you could do to serve somebody, what, what is it that gives you pleasure? I like cooking. Um, I don't have anybody to cook for at home now, so I, I have had in my mind for the last probably three weekends, I want to do a rockin' Moroccan supper. So I've got the meal figured out. I know what I want to make. And I've been putting it out there to say, hey, party at my place. And you know what's happened? Nobody's come over. I have not been able to, this gives me great pleasure. I love making meals. I love entertaining and hosting. And, and I thought about this and thought, Jesus came to serve me. The Bible says that it is his good pleasure to do this. And, and, and it has transformed my thinking in what Jesus Christ has done to forgive my sins and your sins. Because the pleasure that I have in hosting, in having a party, in serving somebody else, it's just a really feel-good thing, right? For whatever your thing is. Multiply that many times over, and that's Jesus' pleasure in serving us, in taking off his clothes, getting on his knees, washing your feet and my feet. Isn't that amazing? This is what our Jesus does for us. Repurp the thing is, Peter said, no. Oh, not my feet. But when he started to understand, he said, go for it, Jesus. And I think sometimes, maybe my rock and Moroccan isn't the best story, but people didn't accept my invitation yet. It's still out there. 
what about you and me? Is it, is it one of those things where, oh, Jesus, I don't know if I want you to go there yet in my life, you know, to wash this part. I, I, there's so much shame involved in this thing that I've been involved in or in my past or that I'm going through. It gives Jesus so much pleasure, ultimate authority, the lowest place he can possibly go on this earth, and it gives him pleasure to touch that part of you, wash you, cleanse you, minister to you. Amen. That's our Jesus. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. From the top down. I don't know what, like, what your work experience has been. One place that I worked in many years ago. Have you ever played that game, Whack-A-Mole? And, like, you're with the hammer, right? And as soon as the head pops up, you smack that thing. I had a boss that was, that's the best picture I had of that boss. Like, if they ever came into the room, it was like, hide in your corner, don't say a thing, become invisible, because you don't want to get your head whacked. How do you think that company, um, what the morale was like in that company? People really didn't want to do extra work. They didn't want to go out of their way. And sometimes what happens is they treated other people the same way they were treated, right? Opposite to that, my youngest son, who works as a software programmer in Kelowna, he started last June, so he's been there one year. The bosses come to him, hey, how are you liking your job? Oh, pretty good. I think we should bump up your, your wage. He's done that, okay, he started in June, that's like about a year ago. Five times this boss has come to my son, I think we should bump up your wage. Do you think my son... What do you think he would say if the boss says, hey, do you mind working a half hour overtime today? He know, my son knows he's valued, that he's appreciated, that somebody's reaching out to him. There's something about from the top down, right? And when we realize what Jesus Christ has done for us, when we know that progressive knowledge becomes solid, rock foundation that we stand on, it releases you and me to serve other people and not be so hindered by the culture around us and the flesh nature that at least rises up in me. The top down. And then, uh, well, you know, there's some verses, Philippians 2. I mean, that, that's such a powerful, powerful verse, set of scriptures uh, talking about our attitude. And then it says in verse 17, now that you, I wonder what Greek word that is. Hmm? What, is it progressive knowledge or is it you know that you know that you know? Nobody's taken on it. Okay, it is, you know, it's not progressive. I think, you, you know what, as we come to understand, there comes a point in your life and my life where all of the sudden we just know that we know that we know. Amen? God has revealed things. You know what the Bible says? God has given us the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. That's you and me. I read the Bible sometimes and say, God, I don't understand this. Help me understand. And he gives revelation. 
the very same thing of what we're talking about this morning. When it comes to serving other people and maybe the hang-ups that I have, once I understand what Jesus Christ has done to me, who has ultimate authority and yet has taken the lowest position, like that, there's no bigger chasm that anybody could ever do. And then I am called, and it says blessed, happy, joyful. Are you and me if we do what Christ has called us to do? The knowledge of who I am in Christ releases me to freely serve others. Counter-steering, right? <laughs> going against nature, going against culture. People, God has given each of us gifts and abilities. It is a fact. You and I have gifts. We have abilities. They are empowered by the Spirit of God. Why has he given that to us? To serve others, right? To build up the body. That is what we're here for. We work together in unity. We, for each other's good and benefit. Because we don't have to prove anything. I don't have to prove that I'm a better person at anything. <coughs> All of us are in relationships. And you know what? They can get messy sometimes. And it involves sacrifice. And it involves service. And praise God, you and I can do it because we know what Jesus Christ has done for it. And so we're going to go for it. We are going to serve those around us. Amen and hallelujah. And it might even bring us pleasure and joy. Isn't that an awesome thing? The bigger picture, we live in a city that needs Jesus. Amen? And we are here to serve. I'm going to call the worship team up. Maybe we can bow in prayer. We're going to sing a song. I think it's called Love Came Down. Wow, that might be very appropriate, eh? Let's bow our hearts. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for the fact that you have ultimate authority. Thank you for the fact that you have served us. <coughs> I don't know, God, just, just blast us this morning. Shake our world. Meet with us where we need to be meeting you. Release us from those things that would hold us back. Give us pleasure and joy in receiving absolute, complete, utter forgiveness from you. Change our attitude about how we think of you. You're not an angry, condemning God. You are a God who takes pleasure in washing our sin and gives you incredible joy to touch those parts of our lives and bring us wholeness and healing and release us to serve other people. I proclaim freedom. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you that your love came down. Amen.